and welcome back to what's with these homies dissing my band and um this is going to be an interesting episode we don't actually have a guest because i'm not quite sure i mean is is death the false metal considered canon i mean well rivers thinks so and that's kind of the important thing and that's it? that's why we're doing this episode to be honest but uh yeah, you know, you know the whole spiel. You know why we're here, contrary to popular belief. We're not here to rag on this album or this band. We've come this far. You know what you're getting into. We're here to figure out if if there really is something to this. And we gave it an honest listen. I'm Pat Doherty. I'm Charlie Van Stee. I, I, feel, I feel like we've proven ourselves. We've got yeah. a good track record for <laughs> accepting records that maybe a lot of people haven't. Yeah. We've been tough on some records. Oh, for sure. Some that have deserved it, I think. You yeah. think. Yeah. But, I, uh, you well, know, I mean, the last record, Hurley, I think we gave a pretty positive review, considering. Well, I was pleasantly surprised by Hurley, to, to be honest. I mean, I'd, I, I think I think I know the record in question you're talking about. I kind of have a personal vendetta against Make Believe, but that's for extraneous reasons, like reasons we can't control yeah. of why I hate that record now. <laughs> well, you can go back and listen to our, our slightly intoxicated version of, yeah. you know what, screw this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, still, I'm still debating on whether or not we should just release those uh, really... <laughs> the lost episodes? Those, yeah, maybe, maybe we will. Maybe we will. Why not? If, Death if you can... to false podcasts, it'll be our B-side. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast B sides. If you can, if you can stand the garble, garble, uh, thunderstorm, wind tunnel, corrupted audio files, go for it. But uh, we, I almost want to do it just to prove that we had to record that episode three times. And uh, but but then again, what does it say about Death the False Metal that we here we are talking about a different record? I mean, what is this? record really it it is a collection to b-sides mm -hmm. whatever rivers wants to say yeah. yeah i mean if it was a collection of songs from one specific year i would yeah. say that maybe it was i mean you could argue that uh what um ratitude came out after uh yeah. or yeah. was it hurley and ratitude that came out pretty in conjunction or Very, no red red and ratitude right came out pretty not, close to I each other i thought it was hurley and ratitude. hurley and yeah. hurley and ratitude so you could have argued that hurley was the mm -hmm. second half of ratitude yeah. or whatever but yeah but i mean this this calls from like what the years 94 to to 2005? Yeah, we've, um, well, we're actually going to play a kind of fun game, Pat, because okay. I, I don't, don't think you know when no. these tracks come out, whereas no. I've done my homework, so. And I did not. <laughs> and that's why we're playing this game, because I deserve the shame. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the whole thing was kind of a brainchild, obviously, of Rivers, as yeah. as those rare moments in, in Weezer's career of him feeling confident enough to make decisions for himself. <laughs> um, oh, he's gone back and forth about that. Though. He always does go back and forth. But he did bring Sean Everett back, who yeah. uh, you might remember from the uh, Love is the Answer from Ratitude. He oh, co-produced Hurley or, or fully produced Hurley. I can't so remember. He, he did the faux George Harrison. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, <laughs> the, 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 I hate that you said that. <laughs> now I'll is. never lose it. You're right. You're it's, totally right. It's what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's got it's. It, I, I I think there's a sitar in there. But one of the few other uh, um, credits that I saw behind his name was the new Julian Casablancas and the Voids okay, yeah. record, um, which is pr pretty great. I think, uh, was it Eric Thompson that wrote that article about uh, how it was time for Julian to move on from the Strokes? 
Um, um, sounds like after you put this record out in a solo record, and yeah. and I did listen to that album, and it's yeah. it's pretty darn good. Okay. So, well, so anyways, so he's got some clout, but what does it mean to produce a record of just and and there I I use the word record like we're I I really want to debate whether or not Weezer fans. Rivers consider, considers it canon. And I think at the end of this podcast, I'd like to figure out, do we consider it canon? Like, what do you, how do you produce a record of just, we're calling from back material and we're, we're arranging it in 10 track form? Like, yeah, I th- maybe what makes it different is that he, it's not literally just combing the vaults hmm. and pulling tracks out that are complete and just putting a collection together. Did they it, actually like record some stuff? Yeah, they over? they like mended some of these tracks to okay. fit the kind of Weezer mold. So what what Rivers said was about uh, about it was Death to False Metal is not a traditional collection of studio leftovers or songs from the vault, but a wholly original follow up to Weezer's just released Hurley. Hmm. I think I took that from Rivers. I'm, now I'm doubting that because of the, of the phrasing. It feels slightly different. I'm looking at some old notes, to be honest. But <laughs> but uh, but we're going to treat it that way. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that was a, a quote from Rivers. So um, uh, without further ado, let's start with the first track, Turning Up the Radio. Yeah, let's do it. So were you saying? <laughs> is he is he just literally yelling the the plugin he has on his guitar? <laughs> is, is, that, is that what that was? <laughs> well, that was probably voted on as his banter uh, by the YouTube audience <laughs> that helped him write the song. Say crunchy. Yep. No, 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 no. Two two seconds earlier, say crunchy. <laughs> yeah. So this this was the uh, let's write a song. Yeah. A W N G. That's right. It said fifteen people became involved. Only fifteen. Um, yeah. That's actually impressive for it is for an internet uh, an internet crowdsource project. Yeah. I mean. It's kind of funny because, I mean, they, they all got actual credit. Like, it lit- really? I mean, I'm sure if they had, you know, profiles on ASCAP or whatever it was, they they might even be getting paid for it, you know? Good for them. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty... This this track actually, like, I I didn't mind this track. I mean, like, uh, I, I think this album, if you can call it that, this is like the first Weezer record that's actually backloaded. Because th- this track I enjoyed, and then it kind of just dips. There's a valley from like two to six, and yeah. then the rest, of the the back half I really enjoyed. But this tune's not bad. I I enjoy it. Uh, the, but this is obviously the 2005 contest. Am I right? Yeah, uh, yes. Two, 2000. No, 2008. 2008. I'm already, right. I'm already. I'm already. I'm already. See, behind. we were gonna play this game. I should have. We should have <laughs> started with that. Pre-Red album was the way I described it. Okay. So, because yeah. um, I I do remember this contest. Yeah, I think this is maybe for somebody. Okay, so if I was Rivers mm-hmm. putting out Weezer 2.0 songs, yeah, this would probably be the solid single. Yeah, there are, there are other songs on this record that have an earlier Weezer feel for sure. that earlier Weezer fans would probably enjoy more as a single. Yeah. But if I were thinking like Weezer or thinking like Rivers, like we know Rivers thinks at this point in yeah. in their career, this would probably be the obvious single for me. I would think. Yeah. 
Because there, uh, there's some there's some tracks on this record that I wouldn't consider single worthy, but solid album tracks. There's there's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff on this this collection that I uh, I don't really care for. But there's definitely some tracks that kind of had me puzzled. Like, well, why'd you leave that out in the first place? Especially when some of these records, it's like, really, you went with this one and not this, <laughs> right? Like, I think, like, the red, uh, everyone gets a song at the end. Like, that record, I still really enjoy that record, but I, I'm rescinding on my, I, I, I hate those tracks now. <laughs> I thought they were a lot of fun, because it was, it was a fun experiment, but I, it, I it probably would have been better as, like, a five-song EP with, like, Pork and Beans and Greatest Man Who Ever Lived. And <laughs> some of those, I mean, if it was, that would be a solid piece of work for me, I would think. But I Still think is it, for me. In conjunction, we're actually going to end up, I think we're going to end up releasing these episodes Netflix style, right? Yeah. I, I guess yeah, we're just... I don't want to necessarily commit to that, but, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's the plan from now. And I think we're actually going to put together a Spotify playlist, playlist yeah. of of the tracks that we felt like, especially from Weezer 2.0. I yeah. think we could probably safely skip uh, Pinkerton and the Blue Record. Um, but they've been done to death. Yeah, I mean, what do we need to put five songs from the Blue Album on a Spotify playlist? But yeah. maybe just ten songs... Um, together and then as kind of like because there are day. some shining moments through all of these there are there so they're totally well i mean but <laughs> yeah I'm, no i, uh, I don't perfect know. situation i could see making the cut maybe. and i even still like uh this is such a pity I know, I know. A lot of people crap talked that, especially when we recorded it with what? Lance. But it sounds like a karaoke song. It does, but it sounds like a Blondie song, and I, I, I found it really charming from the get go. Yeah. I don't know why. Anyways, let's keep going. <sighs> All right. So for me, what year, Pat? This, this sounds like Maladroit era. You're totally right. Nice. Yep. Okay. Como uh, Bell and Shriner are all credited as writing this song yeah and th- i mean this one this is this is the start of the the descend in the valley for me like it it, it kind of it has it has a nice feeling in the beginning and then the lyrics and it, it just kind of gets boring <laughs> it feels green record to me like it i i feel like it had to have been early in the stages of maladroit but yeah it i was don't know the, how many for me it was the guitar tone that pinned it to maladroit yeah that was my my best guess, but I, actually, you know, oh, you know what? I was thinking of a totally different song. This is, I don't want your loving, right? This is yep. yeah. This, I I actually really like this too. Yeah, it's it's not bad for what you yeah. for for the fact that Rivers writes a million songs per record. Yeah, and I end up ha- liking you know solidly liking 35 percent of them maybe yeah yeah. (laughs) like to to have a you know quote unquote b-sides record and actually have songs on it that i'm i'm all right with is you know what's like when you you write that much material it gets to the point where how can you even make a decision on what makes the cut because what is the what is the actual number 200 songs that he was deciding on at one point for a record it's it's just like where do you even begin so it kind of makes sense that some some gems would get lost but it also makes a lot more sense that the majority of it is kind of dreck 
<laughs> yeah, and I also want to think that that's like the job of a producer to comb through that stuff for him yeah. to help him pick a. But then in, it kind of negates what I've said in the past, which is yeah. that Weezer records tend to be better when Rivers is in charge of them. I know that sounds strange, it especially con- considering the reputation that the new one and Maladroit. And I, I feel like all the records he's in charge of are end up better than right. Except for the, I guess the new one is supposed to be great. Um, we'll get to that. Which we'll get to. Yeah. But I feel like this this would have fit nicely on Maladroit or even even Red. Like this part, like it kind of, yeah. I think you're right. It, I mean, it feels like yeah, Maladroit. This yeah. this part has the guitar work of Maladroit for sure. And then the harmony. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of have the. Yeah, that guitar tone is for sure. All right, so let's let's move on because this is kind of a short record. This is where they start to lose me, where I'm like, meh. This, what, what record? Okay, this feels more modern. This feels a little bit later. How much later, Pat? I would say, I would place this somewhere in between make-believe and uh, ratitude. Man. We are so conditioned, aren't we? Is it, am <laughs> You're I totally right? right, yeah. Oh my Make God. believe. Yep. Wow. I, I guess, I don't know what, I mean, I assume it's prior to make believe because it's credited yeah. as the sure. make believe sessions, but. I mean, it's. This feels, this. at least this has emotion. Make believe is so gutless. Yeah. I mean, still, lyrically, it's Oh, lyrically, garbage, I, it, it's, it's garbage, but I mean, it, uh, this would have right. been a welcome addition to make believe. I mean, just <laughs> listen to the, the guitar tones on here are yeah. are kind of 94, 95-y. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the vocal harmonies kind of take away from the, you know. Yeah. Did it? See, this goes, <laughs> this goes back to what I just pounded into the ground of make believe. I, I listened to that record so much and I still can't remember it. Did they even have any of those harmonies on Make Believe? I no, can't I don't think remember. so. I mean, there's nothing that felt this loose on yeah. that record. This uh, this this feels a little bit more fun. It's just the lyrics are. There's there's some lyrical content on this collection that is just borderline third grader. <laughs> <laughs> I know this one along with a couple others are claimed to uh, I, I, I mean love, I love how this is that was just I heard it through the grapevine and then they had like a really cliche rock solo over it. <laughs> <laughs> well again it's like River's uh, approach to writing hooks is like yeah. that phrase sounds like something I could repeat a hundred times. He's a like, great hook writer, though. That's it. He's just a terrible. I, yeah, lyricist. I mean, he does. Sometimes it just seems like he pulls them out of thin air, and it doesn't really necessarily have any meaning. No. But wait, are we talking lyrically or <laughs> lyrically? Yeah. And hook wise, I mean, this is credited as being some of the, one of the more raw and personal emotional songs mm. on this record but again it's difficult to really ever connect with what he's writing about i think i think sometimes it's difficult for him to connect 
Yeah, especially, especially I'm a robot. Be interesting to read like a by like an autobiography by Rivers someday and and see kind of what he was actually thinking. The tell-all. Yeah, I guess so. Finally, those, those crazy meditation. I can read that parties. Matt Char- Sharp uh, chapter. Finally, I knew it. Get the story straight. <laughs> All right, this one. Yeah, this. This feels like red to me. It's got like the 70s guitar solo yeah. kind of feel. Let's listen to it for a couple of seconds here and see if you can sink into a, a solid guess. Looking for action, totally wasted, and trying to find a day. Like the the tone of everything feels like red, but lyrically there's some ratitude stuff on there. Totally wasted from partying so much, cause I can't stop. This is uh, make believe. Make believe. No way. But there are some songs on Make Believe that have a little bit of this feel to them. That's true. Like the uh, Pardon Me. Like, Pardon Me. Oh, yeah. Well, this, yeah, this Pardon Me probably made it over this track. And I would have taken this over Pardon Me. I would, too. I still don't really like this one, though. I know. <laughs> but uh, the at least that 70s guitar thing is a, a little charming. It is. You know? It is. But the second, but predictable. The second I mean, he says, I'm losing my mind, I'm just like, really, dude? Really? Yeah. More of this? This is the issue with artists that write 200 songs for a, an album, is that, you know, they're, <laughs> they suffer lyrically. I mean, they have to. Unless you're unless you're Morrissey and you have like well, Morris, four Morris, books of Morrissey lyrics that just, never <laughs> Morrissey just suffers in general. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, but I I guarantee you Morrissey and Leonard Cohen have books of things that have no music to them. Like oh, they do. Leonard just, Cohen still writes verses to Hallelujah. He's written like 99 verses to that. That's exactly what we need. Right. <laughs> More verses to that song. All right. Well, let's let's get to the midpoint here. This had like an American gigolo feel to me. Yeah, I can see that. What year is this, Pat? I'm gonna go with Maladroid or Red Era. 1998. Okay, so. Post Pinkerton. Pre-green album. Really? Wow. Okay. I mean, considerably pre-green album because the green album's like 2001, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 98. This is. I mean, Pinkerton came out in 96. So this is. I mean, I assume a planned, probably <laughs> lost. <laughs> third lost record. direction. I, I guess. I guess maybe isn't there some I should have read more about this, but I think that uh yeah, me there too. was some talk about this being part of that uh, um the rock opera that he had kind of oh, been planning. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, it's got kind of a like Nirvana-y it does. guitar thing going on. Was well, even even the uh, when it gets to the B part, like. I don't think I th- they also said that they did uh, with let me see if it was so they still added stuff to this like way later before could, this record I came out I can definitely so, see this this because I think that I think Shriner's actually credited as playing bass on this because if it was 98 really? that would have been Matt Sharp I would think yeah you know or else, or else Rivers just would have done it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, or who? Played, I don't know. He, I mean, I don't think Mickey Welsh was a part of the mm-mm. the deal at that point. No, this this definitely sounds like a tune I could see them adding to, especially since it was '98. I wonder what this record would have sounded like. You know, I mean, that's a total like Chris Novoselic. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually wouldn't mind a whole Weezer rec- record that went in this direction. I, th- I, I mean, yeah, I actually like this. Yeah, I like this one a lot. It reminds me of your band Jill a little bit. A little bit? Yeah, in a good way, <laughs> a you know? Bit, I don't yeah. mean that as a knock. Pat's, um, Pat's fantastic band Jill. There we go. Shameless plugging. This episode feels so... <laughs> So NPR. <laughs> I know. It's like we're, we we're getting a PhD in Weezer and we're discussing the. Yeah, well, I was saying. I was saying we've got. Uh, I bet. I bet if you went to like some liberal college, like Oberlin, not to not that's a fine institution, but like you yeah, could what tot- are you saying, Pat? You could totally make up a major and be like, yeah, I'm in majoring in Weezer studies. You know what? We should get hired to teach that darn class. <laughs> <laughs> because we're clearly the experts. But clearly. Uh, so we're at, we're at the I, midpoint of this. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, there there are a few tunes where I'm just like I totally get why this is left off, but there's also a few tunes like I I don't need your love and I think would have been a welcome addition to any of the 2.0 albums, any of them. I think they would fit pretty well. Um, Blowing my sack is a specific. I I wish I could have heard that on Make Believe. To be honest, I mean that that would have brought life into a very lifeless, soulless cash in. <laughs> album for me i don't know yeah i i also think he, he probably could have sold 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 a few like b-sides records specifically mm. from 98 like if you put a whole record yeah. of stuff from 98 out i'd like to hear that'd more. sell pretty well i'd like to hear more of it was and he did do those two solo like here's all the crap i've been doing right records. yeah but these like he's you know enriched yeah. mixed yeah. like mastered yeah. i mean they've he's clearly had an, an intent for you know however many mystery songs from 98 yeah. are on this and i would not consider <laughs> i would not consider those canon but this i still go back and forth on because i initially went into this record thinking this is just b-sides it sounds like b-sides and on the second listen it sounded like a record to me especially since I think the back half is way more entertaining and it, it, it flows a lot better. And, but now, I mean, this is like maybe my sixth or seventh listen of this record. And now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm waffling a little bit. Like I, th- this seems like a collection of B sides again, 
where it, it could know. be because it, it's from various eras of Weezer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even though everybody kind of says, oh, it all kind of sounds the same now since the green record. I mean, you are able to pretty much pick them out on the nose and For, pick out the subtle differences yeah, I'm, between I'm actually them. surprised. I'm doing, yeah. I'm, I'm, what, what am I, a three out of five? Or f- No, I think you're more like four out of five. Okay. I mean, you, I, I, you guessed, I think everyone was really the only one that you thought was maybe around the red era. Yeah. So, yeah. and then after I said it wasn't, then you totally... It, it makes sense that it's made not. It makes sense. It makes sense. Well, let's let's get into the back half, because I think this is way more entertaining than the, than the front half, with the exception of one tune. Would it be this one? <laughs> it is. And it's, and it's kind of a shame because this is such a curveball for Weezer. Uh, but this is one of those things where you can tell Rivers is just like, no, I want to tap into the everyman. Right. And then you listen to it and go... You've never had a real job. No, you've yet. never <laughs> been the every man, ever man, this is, every man. This ever. is why yeah. that tired old trope, write what you know, exists. Because yeah. clearly, he doesn't know a damn thing about this, about real life at all. No, it. He's so. This is. This is just. He's on another planet. <laughs> if, if he thinks this is a humanizing way of looking at the. Uh, Middle class life, or the it's like, is this his homage to Springsteen? What is this? Yeah, this is such (laughs) it's kind of pompous in a way, too. It's like anybody that has a job like this has a worthless life and they're miserable. You're so this robot. (laughs) I mean, I get get what he's writing about, and um, and in a way, like you know, I've said this before because I'm a curmudgeon, I'm happy that he's. Writing about something that isn't love for once. I mean, Rivers kind of monopolizes all those Weezer records with songs about love, you know? Yeah, but when you listen to these lyrics, it's like, maybe you should stick with love, buddy. That's that's a sad (laughs) but true point. What year did this come out, Pat? I am thinking, um, I'm going to say make-believe just because of the lyrical content. You're right. Nice. Make-believe. I'm glad I didn't put money on this. Because, <laughs> well, I mean, make because be- of the lyrical content. Yes, because make believe was all about like Beverly Hills. We're all on drugs. Social commentary. But I'm still trying to have that that broetry moment wow. of something you can chant. And this is right in line where like, oh, my life is so hollow. I'm on drugs. I work a I work a job, and I want to be rich, but I can't be rich. Like this is right in that vein. Yeah. And, and it's also the weakest song on this collection, so that's why I put, <laughs> I put it in make-believe. <laughs> wow, that's perceptive of you to, to pin that lyrically to, uh, to make-believe. That makes complete sense. I hadn't ever thought of it that way. That's incredible. <laughs> well done. <laughs> One, golf clap. Yeah. Golf clap. And that clock's in at two minutes and 30 seconds. It's quick. I mean, it's quick. Yeah. This has such a Green Day vibe for me. Right. I mean, there's, it's hard to hide yeah. this. I will t- I will tell you that nothing goes um, uh, before 98. So Okay. Yeah. So you can probably guess. This definitely had an early feel for right. me. This, this felt like a Maladroit era just because... Just because it, it... I don't know. It, it has a... A 90s feel, so that's really why I would say Maladroit era. But 
Yep, it's uh, it's Pinkerton era. So or, or right oh, okay. after Pinkerton, same same yeah. time for everyone. Uh, so according to Rivers, a new bridge and guitar solo were added in 2009 or 2010. Okay. See, this the, this is a track that. I think would be a welcome addition to any 2.0 record except for green it, it doesn't it, it doesn't have a green vibe for me but this could have fit on maladroit or... i think it could have been on red i think if it was yeah. a little cleaner it could have probably been on maladroit Ma- yeah because um, maladroit has some dare i say prog rock moments on yeah. it yeah um where you know, I I don't want your loving fits because the the way that song ends, that's total maladroit guitar climax mm-hmm. climax type thing. But this this guitar solo has early Weezer all over it. That's like, true. Isn't that interesting? Considering the guitar solo was recorded in two thousand nine or two thousand ten. That is, funny. which is kind of like, oh, so you've been able to do this anytime <laughs> you've wanted to, <laughs> and yet you don't. I mean, <laughs> you have all these fans screaming for this old Weezer sound, and you've had it in your back pocket this entire time. Oh, heard, um, I'm sure heard. we'll get deeper into that yeah, come the I, next episode. Because <laughs> all I've heard from the new record has been return to form, return to form. But yep. then again, that's that's been that tired old trope. That's that thing that every critical review, I'm going to say 85% of every critical review of every record post-Pinkerton has been well, post-Green. Because Green was kind of like, oh, Weezer's back. Now they're now they're back. But every record since then has been, oh, why can't they be Weezer of old? Or, I don't know, guys. This kind of sounds like Weezer of old. Like everything has been. Let's talk about Pinkerton and Blue. Yeah. And annoyingly, yeah. and even when it's like blaringly obvious that is not a return oh, yeah. to the that sound. I mean, he didn't. He never promised that he wanted to do that, and he pretty much said no. the opposite. Well, I mean, even we've done it on a few episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I got a PC, you got a Mac. I'm giving you flack for your airport. I actually kind of remember liking this song. <laughs> I'm yeah. always so embarrassed to say that stuff. When it hits the chorus, yeah, it gets kind of interesting. So this is... I think that's a solid, solid melody it for is. the chorus. I, I want to say, think of it hard, Pat. I don't think this could be before Red. It is Red. It is Red. Yeah. Nice. Man, Pat. Nice. I know. I was I'm gonna so say that this could have almost been the B side for Pork and Beans. Yeah, for me. totally. Like it. It's even. I mean, it's got. Even though it does have that sludgy guitar. Yeah. It's done in in a in a kind of like an old Weezer way. Yeah. So. Well, the only reason I say red is because it has that modern feel where it could have been a Ratatouille or Hurley, but the lyrical content, like, Red has always been like, I don't care what you think, and this is kind of one of those love songs of like, I don't care what you think, we mm-hmm. work. And it also has this, like, faux, I'm gonna rap 
right. breakdown, yeah. which is red all over. You guys heard that new Linkin Park record? <laughs> it's really, yeah. It's it's, it's edgy, man. It, it gave me some ideas for the latter part of this song. <laughs> yeah, but I I'm uh I'm actually kind of bummed that this got bumped for some of those crappier tracks. I know. Red. That's that. Now that I know that it is from Red, like that, I Be- feel like I feel like those. Those songwriting experiments where they got passed around the band should have been on this record. Yeah. Because if there are, right. there are a few tracks on this collection that I would, I mean, for me, I don't know, maybe I just said, like, Red is just a carnival ride experience for me. That if some of these were on that, that might bump into the top three for me, Red. Yeah. It's, it, it's just a hell of a lot of fun until you get, and at first I loved them because they were this beautiful train wreck and now i'm just like there's nothing beautiful about this this is well you thought it was a purposeful train wreck yeah i thought like i really thought he was just like i'm sick of your what what you think about me so he cuts out the three tracks that are are by shriner bell and wilson and then puts that in in place of everybody get dangerous I no, I still love it. I'm, I'm holding. I'm holding. I'm you holding. can have it. Yeah, <laughs> you can keep it. You can keep that one. All right, and uh, we've got uh, autopilot from what era, Pat? Let's give it a little listen here. Hmm. I can't believe you're getting. Uh, this is like. This is yeah. a Cars song, right? Totally. I mean, <laughs> well, especially, especially that intro. Yeah. I mean, I was tr- I, when I listened to this, I was trying to imagine Rick Ocasek singing it. Oh yeah. Well, this is this was actually one of the highlights of Death the False Metal for me. Yeah. This is this was like I remember listening to this when I was cleaning my house. <laughs> Yeah, I was totally getting it's into like it. It's like kind of a Devo track yeah. almost. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's a it, a car song for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What what era? Um, I want to say. I feel like this one might trip you up. The uh, uh, that's the my clue reason, to you. The only reason I'm saying green era is because it feels like Rick Ocasek all over. Right. It does. Yeah. It is not. You want to get another stab? Wow. Before okay. before I say no. Um. I mean, I think I would have guessed make-believe era because of uh, but the, this the, is such a pity oh, and sure. like hitting some of those new wave notes. I wanna, but I want to say my second guess, I want to say Ratitude just because it's shiny. That's true. It's red. It's red record really? era. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Wow. If this was on red, man. Get rid of those. Oh, I almost want to do like a red redo. Yeah. Or redux. Redo. How do you pronounce it? Redo. Redo. Yeah. You like it? Because if, if we had trampoline this and. I don't know if trampoline would have fit on there. I, I think uh, uh, the odd couple. The, yeah, the that's, odd that's what, couple. Yeah. This, this odd couple. And uh, and this even, I mean, it's got some similarities to that song when you think totally, about it. But totally. It is kind of a shame. Well, when we put together it's, our Spotify list of. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> when we put our put t- together our our recommended picks for yeah. uh, for someone who's wants to be open minded about a Weezer 2.0 well, there, experience. There's even some Ratitude B-sides where I'm just like, why would they take this off? And and it's yeah. true the, the the deluxe Ratitude edition had a few live tracks where it's like, of course this is make the record because it's it's a live track. Why right. would it? Um, okay, so this is this is the last track to cover. Whoops. Or not. <laughs> there we go. It's the first... Ma- yeah. We're, we're leaving it in. <laughs> to keep it. Keep we're it. doing it live. We're doing it live. <laughs> this, uh, I mean, it, it, this is, it, it's a B-side podcast for a B-side record. <laughs> Can you guess when this was recorded? I want to I mean, s- it's going to would... be tough for you to pick I'm, out, I think. I want to say more recently, just because... There was like a series of YouTube videos that they did during like Ratitude Hurley era where they were covering a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, I, like MGMT and yeah. So I want to say popular things during that era because that that was kind of when they were having fun with covers. But that's my that's my two cents. Make believe. Make believe. Wow. Which makes me wonder what what were they possibly planning to do with this at, in the era of make-believe? I like, don't know. It was just something they were going to have for fun, or was it something they seriously considered putting on make-believe at some point? I don't know. I don't know. Because make-believe is not fun at all. I mean, this... I don't... <laughs> it wouldn't have made it better for me. No. But... No. I thought it was fun on this, though. I, I could... Like, it, this tune actually got me interested in I could hear a whole Weezer covers LP especially since they For did sure. since they did uh, Viva La Vida on the B-side of Ratitude which I thought was actually well done you know it'd almost be better if someone else did Weezer versions of cover songs <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our next project yeah. post podcast <laughs> so I want to read uh a review from Pop Matters in 2010 okay. of this okay. record. And I think that they it kind of nailed it as far as a feeling in general sure. of this era. But it says, here's the point. Regardless of when the songs on false metal were originally written, they sound pretty much the same as the songs from Ratitude and Hurley. It's they do. Cl- it's clear that Rivers still has an ear for catchy power pop songwriting, but it's all started to blur together into an endless string of crunchy guitars and banal lyrics. Sure, Banal's putting it lightly. (laughs) Sure, crunchy guitars and banal lyrics sort of describes the whole power pop genre in a nutshell, (laughs) but the way Weezer is churning out albums these days certainly makes it seem like there isn't much to care isn't much care being put into the content of those albums. Uh, and these previously unrecorded tracks don't do the band any favors. I I I agree with some points to that sentiment, but I also disagree cuz some of these tracks I feel would have been would have been nice to hear on some mm-hmm. of the some of the records, but there's a, a lot of moments on whatever this thing is that just feel like yeah that was that didn't make it for a reason especially since every record has a bunch of b-sides where i'm like why isn't that on a record right i mean like suzanne all the way back to blue is still a great tune that i don't understand why they left off but uh, when you listen to blue it makes sense because there's already 
I feel like it was either between Holiday and Suzanne. Yeah. Um, so, so it's an interesting collection because it's just like, really, you had hundreds of songs and you still came up with these. Like, what, what got left out? I honestly think it's either just none of it's up to snuff or there's just so much of it that they're like yeah I guess this can fit or what River said this is the perfect follow up to Hurley so let's pick a bunch of songs that could kind of be the the you know the the logical follow up to Mm -hmm. this tone of what we were going with our previous record well maybe I think you might I, I kind of agree to some some extent about Hmm. it feels like a lot of these later era Weezer albums are just throwing spaghetti at the wall Mm -hmm. to me. I think, I mean, through this conversation between you and I, I've learned that you have seen much more of a string go through all of these (laughs) records than I did, (laughs) which is, I mean, admirable. (laughs) I I surprised myself. Yeah. But I was surprised to read that initial statement from Rivers talking Mm. about how this was the natural progression as far as the studio releases because I thought, have you had a plan this whole time? Because it seems like like you you feel a certain way about one record and then you react to how everybody else reacted to that record and shift and shift and shift and shift. And And it never seemed to me like... He had a a grand plan for a Weezer career, no. considering how well received, especially the new record has been. Yeah, why would he have waited seven records to put out something that that was much more? Well, that that's actually why initially I started to feel like no, this feels like an LP to me. It feels as if it should be considered in the canon because a lot of those other records still have the same let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks mentality. And I mean, make believe kind of all the, all the from make believe on all those records kind of have, uh, well, yeah, throw that on there. Let's take a risk. I mean, the, the, there's, there's a lot of weird stuff where I'm just like, well, yeah, it's a mishmash, but so was ratitude and red was an intentional mismatch. And that's why why it now worked. Now you keep saying that. <laughs> no, I really, th- I really think it was. I really think it was. But yeah. Ratitude to me was, if they were trying to do what I think they were trying to do with Red, it failed miserably for me. Um, I, they were definitely trying to experiment a little bit more, but it, it, it wasn't as playful and it wasn't as ballsy as Red. And I think that's why I, I still have a soft spot for that. But after listening to this again, I... Um, yeah, I'm I'm pulling a John Kerry. I'm flip flopping. I, I don't know. I don't know what my thoughts are. If if this should be considered part of their LP collection or just another an EP or a or or whatever, um, it definitely has the feeling of a Weezer record, though. It doesn't like yeah. It feels like a collection of B sides, but so did their last three records. Yeah. I mean, I think it maybe feels like it could be a studio record because it's inconsistent in the same way that a lot of their records have been. Yeah, so why not? The reason it feels, to me, like a B-Sides collection is because Mm -hmm. of sonically the differences between the eras. So, like, the tracks that are thrown on there from 98 feel so different to me than the stuff Mm -hmm. from you know, the Maladroit and especially, I mean, almost half of that, this album is 
like yeah. make believe B sides, you know? Which is which is pretty <laughs> infuriating. <laughs> because I would take most of the make believe B sides. Now that I know they're make believe, I'm just like, really? You went with you went with right. these? I mean what what were you some some of the make believe tracks that made the cut, I I get. They're just they just seem so empty to me. And even even the tracks on make believe, like lyrically, they're they're even subpar for make-believe standards, yeah. but they have more energy than the make-believe tracks, which is just kind of weird to me. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I, I think when you listen to this record, uh, like when you're washing dishes, it feels like any other Weezer record, but when you really dissect it, it feels like a collection of B-sides, and I think that's where I'm kind of stuck between stations yeah. on this one. I'd say if you like the Red Album and you liked mm-hmm. Hurley, that it would be acceptable to buy and enjoy yeah. like, like and, a and, studio record. And as far know. as 2.0 records go, I enjoyed Hurley and Red, and I think that's why I was kind of partial to saying, no, this works. This is totally, mm-hmm. this is totally an LP, but now I, I, you, can definitely, you can definitely tell it was stitched together from odds and ends. Right. And I think it was originally going to be titled Odds and Ends or so. yeah, it had something. Yeah, something like ends. that. In there, but yeah, I still don't know. What I, I mean, does it make you wonder why he picked? I mean, first off, why you only picked ten songs? There's only ten on here, right? Yeah, especially since he had a an ocean I mean, of an <laughs> ocean of stuff. Yeah, and I, don't know. I mean, it seems like there, it's got to be a similar process to picking mm. out the tracks that he ends up putting on the actual studio albums. Sure. If if either way, he's got a plethora of tracks to pick from. I mean, it's got to be almost the same process. I mean, I don't know what even made him decide to pull stuff from '98. I don't even know what I mean, made him to what what make for any of these records. It's like, why were these the? Why was that the final track? Yeah, I mean, he's already got the, the alone sessions, and uh-huh. I mean, he, I I mean, that's Weezer could have just a good put out. Point. A, why did this record come out if he had all those alone sessions? I mean, they're they're more polished for sure, and I, he spent time producing it, re-recording yeah. guitar solos. But why not just do a box set? Of of yeah. Weezer rarities, I mean the. For for me, that's what swayed me is like this is definitely an LP, but the execution of it is somewhat lacking. But then, so are, <laughs> so of the last four albums. Mm. <laughs> so and what I, can you do? I remember listening to the Blue album the for the pr- pr- preparation for the first episode of this podcast. Yeah. And listening to all of the deluxe tracks too, yeah. and and thinking about Suzanne and you mm-hmm. know yeah. some of the uh, some of the tracks that really stood out for me and even Pinkerton, but just feeling exhausted by the end of it sure. and completely understanding why they cut all that stuff out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if like what it, what there's a lot of Pinkerton B sides where I remember listening to that deluxe edition where I. Had, that whole second disc, I just couldn't get through. I was just There's like, a couple yeah. of gems on there. A couple but of great gems on yeah. there. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. So so what's your final verdict? Is this canon? Um, For me, it's a big yes and no. I, I feel like I want to just say yes because Rivers says yes. And yeah. it's it's just, you know, if that's the way he feels. but And it's no better or worse. No, it isn't. Else. But it does, like I said, it it feels, uh, it doesn't feel like it was all recorded at the same time. No. I mean. And, and uh, this very special episode, we didn't even talk about drug use. Uh, but this very special episode of this, you know, comment. What, what, what do you think? What do you think this record is? 
But what I am more interested in is this new record because they followed it up with we have a collection of b-sides and then we're coming out with a new record has the sound changed what um because i I, spoiler alert i have listened to some things and listening to all these b-sides and listening to ratitude hurley red there's some stuff on there that made me think what what took you so long to get back to this and is this the end of it like a pre-planned chapter in Weezer's career. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, was this I mean, it's I've I've listened to part of the new record and yeah. uh you know, I don't want to talk about it a whole lot, but no. but the I mean, is this a part of Rivers grand plan to I mean to cap off mm-hmm. all of these records with yeah. a B-sides album and then all of a sudden put something out that critics love is kind of Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it, it makes you think. Like, were you capable of doing this whole, the 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 entire time? Did you understand what it was that a lot of these early Weezer fans missed? What's well, it's funny because like when you look at the lyrical content of some of the albums, especially Ratitude, where he's talking about partying, and then you go back to Red and Pork and Beans, he's kind of riffing on Timberland and saying like, oh, maybe if I collaborate with some hip-hop guys, I'll top right. the charts, and then he gets Lil <laughs> Wayne on Ratitude, and it's just, so maybe it was, because when you listen to Back to the Shack, and we're gonna, we're, trust me, we're gonna do that whole thing, but that's the main single, that was the first thing we heard from Everything Will Be Alright in the End. Right. He's talking about like, yeah, it's time for me to to not try to sell a lot of records and go back to yeah, it should, the song should have just been called Weezer the Song. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's, I mean, uh, d- yeah, I mean, singing about singing about something that I've never heard him sing about ever. I mean, yeah. I never would have expected him to. Well, we'll get into that more, but we'll, we'll get into that. But it it, it seems <laughs> it seems like we're we're already talking about the new record, so maybe we should just say to be continued and uh, end this episode now. But this was a fun experiment for me. I'm I'm glad we because we were on the fence about doing this episode and uh, just because we're just on the fence on this album. But I thought it was a fun experiment. Yeah, and uh, the reason I think we talked about this a little bit in the beginning of the episode, the reason we didn't have a guest is because. I think we built context for ourselves that yeah. a guest may not have. I mean, a lot yeah. of the other the other um, records we wanted people to approach with a fresh ear to yeah. not have this baggage that we've chosen to accept yeah. as the soldiers of Weezer that we've become. But uh, <laughs> but after after like just kind of getting waist deep in Weezer, uh, the threads make a lot of sense with this record, and that's why I'm interested in checking out. This new one, which every critic returns to that tired old point of, it's a return to form. Right. So maybe maybe it is. But. And we'll have some important things to talk about as far as mm-hmm. the future of the podcast as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next episode too. So so, so stick around. Thanks for thanks for uh, you know joining us for this. Uh, I don't even want to call it an extra one. I think this was this this episode needed to happen, but yeah. uh, it happened. Quasi canon. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Well, uh, I'm Pat Doctor. I'm Charlie Van Steep. And uh, you just stick around because we're we're pretty much going to talk about the reason we started this podcast in the first place. Oh, Weezer's coming out with a new album, and so it ends next time. That was uh, 
that, that, that ominous. was, that was uh, way, way too ominous. <laughs> I'm, I'm setting myself up for way too big of expectations, but seriously, thanks for listening. Yeah, and give us a call, Rivers, when you get a chance. <laughs> We'd like to talk about some things. Yeah, we, we, we uh, <laughs> a call to the principal's office, if you will. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening. Stick around. <laughs>